Welcome to Smarter Selling Podcast. Are you a sales leader who wants to learn the latest in sales psychology, mindset, and strategies so you can enhance your own as well as your team's skills, performance, and results? You're in the right place. Now, let's hear from sales expert, sales trainer, and founder of Smarter Selling, Charmaine Keegan. Negotiation. So we're going to talk about that in today's episode. Negotiation is a learned skill. So I'm guessing that because negotiation is a key skill in sales, many of your listeners, won't they have learned that this is sales 101? This topic of negotiation, this really gets me out of bed in the morning. I love it. I wake up on day two of our programs because it's the first thing off this negotiation, my rubbing my hands together with glee because it's all to do with psychology. It's all to do with off what we call the phase one of the sale, which is nothing to do with the client and 100% to do with you. It is the mindset. So the first thing is actually to think about is negotiation is very closely connected to handling objections. Almost every learning around negotiation is identical to handling objections. So, for example, before you've even engaged with a client, we call that phase two, do you already think it should be cheaper? <laughs> Are you already discounting? You know, they're the sort of things that in phase one, which is 99.9% of the sale is in phase one. That's you, your intent, your mindset, what you think something's worth, why you think people should negotiate. That's all in your head first. Yeah, negotiation is a completely learnt skill. People that think it comes naturally is probably just because they've done it a lot and they get a thrill out of the dance. We call it the dance. And so therefore, they're probably actually more likely to negotiate or hold their rate. And in fact, they're very good people usually when they're going to negotiate for something else when they're the buyers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you'd think that they'd learned it as sales 101, but it's something that has to be constantly refined, particularly if you change products and services or something in your business has changed, like maybe you've lost an account or you've gained an account or you've gained new products and services and solutions. So you have to constantly go back and refine your mindset around your offering because that's what negotiation is your mindset around your offering way before that's to do with the client trying to negotiate Mm, wow so what do you think that reps think about negotiation do they like it or do they avoid it we all get into habits right and if you're discounting 10 percent all day long you're going to end up discounting 10 percent with the next client before the client's even asked for that 10%. That's the problem. That's the main problem with negotiation is it's become the new price. So let's just say you've been told to yourself this for $10, but everyone you've spoke to says they'll pay nine. Before you know it, you're even charging nine before they've asked and you've already come down that, that percentage. No one's asked for it. You think it's value there and then you're stuck with the values there. And then you know, you're, you've lost your ground because the client might buy more or add-ons and then you're like oh now I'm up against the wall right I've got nothing I've got nowhere else to go so I think some reps find it really tricky if they're allowed to negotiate if they're sold and what they're selling they don't want to negotiate so I think um some reps find it tricky and some like it because they like this dance but in terms of avoiding it I think it's good when a rep tries to avoid it I think that that rep is generally really sold on what they have and doesn't think that they should discount quite simply they should they think I shouldn't discount and, and that's it. We actually had a rep here, very interesting, on her first day, she asked how much a workshop was. And that particular workshop she was talking about was $1,500. And I said, oh, it's $1,500. So she'd been in the office maybe half an hour. She goes, oh, that's expensive. And I said, Tallulah, do not answer the phone. 
So she went, oh, okay. And then the next three months she came on those workshops and she would engage with people and she would chat to people and she asked about people and there's lots of product tables and we also have the team around the product tables, loads of downloads, loads of materials. And I remember very clearly at the end of about three months in, her taking down a banner and she was making a lot of noise and she was tutting and getting all sort of flustered. And I said, are you okay to lose? She goes, no, no, I'm not. She goes, you know, this happens every time and people tell us, you know, this, these people told me what they did last night and how they, they changed their thinking around their business. They made seven calls this morning before they'd even come in. And you know what? It's, it's just too cheap. This course is just too cheap. <laughs> and I went, okay, to Lily, can I answer the phone? <laughs> because I knew that she was 100% inside out, upside down, underwater, sold on the value of what that program would do for somebody else. And really, that's the key. If your rep isn't sold, they're already negotiated. That's the problem. That's why some are, some like to avoid it. And I think that's good because they're 100% sold on what they're selling. And they're sold, not just on the product, solution or service, but they're sold on the price more importantly. And that's the key thing. They need to be sold on the price. Mm, so important. So what would you then say to a leader who is working out if their team can negotiate? What can they do to ensure that the rep gets in the right price? Mm, headspace. Teach the value of the product every single day. You know, often we have um, a part on the website or in our presentation, people come out with like, hey, it's our evidence page, you know, our success stories or others, testimonials, reviews, whatever you want to call them. And of course, as the company, you think these are for the client. These are to show next client, I'm going to go and see John and I'll show John this page of evidence because it will prove to him that this works. And, and it isn't. The first reason we get that evidence is for us. It's us that needs to be sold. It's this phase one, us. We need to be sold on what we're selling. We need to know the value and worth of the client. We need to go, they spent this amount, whatever it was, a million, $2, doesn't matter what it is, but look what it did for them. Oh my goodness. So every single day, you need to share success stories. You need to share evidence with each other. You need to have a little email with them, uh, an email folder called return on investment. You need to constantly share stories with each other. So even if the client didn't email, but just happened to say on the phone, oh, by the way, thanks for that. Thanks for Anne-Marie. You know what I got out of that? I got this, this, this. It really helped me. You need to share that with your colleagues. Everybody, every day gets it. They get, we charge this amount, whatever it is, and it's worth more. And that's the big thing that a leader can do. In phase one, make sure their clients are completely sold. In phase one, make sure their team are completely sold on the value, the price, where it fits in. They need to be sold. We call it being bulletproof. They're congruence. And they, they go into phase two. We call it phase two, which is engaging with the client. And they have certainty. They stand taller. They act differently. Their tone is different. They're calmer. They know exactly the value and worth of their solution to the client. And that's exactly what a leader needs to do. That's the, to be honest, that's really 99% of what the leader needs to do. Your team need to be taught how to sell. They need to be on sales training courses. They need to have coaching. They need to understand that it's not just the negotiation bit of the journey. There's a whole journey there's a process and yeah they need training all the time mm. would you always say that yes a sales training company i'd always say that because look coaching and development is for all levels all the time you know it's not just when we're not doing well in one area you can't just ring up and say my team need help with negotiation it's rubbish they don't they need help with the whole process all the time i bet they're not i bet there's areas in every single part of the journey that people can refine and develop Always. I mean, we've got to get away from this headspace of trainings just to improve with areas that we're down on or for new reps. You know, I mean, Tiger Woods doesn't get to a point 
where he's finished coaching, right? Doesn't get there and go, I've done it now. Like we, we've always got to be reviewing where we are, reflecting, polishing, refining, advancing. The point is with negotiation if, is if you do every part of the process right, you don't need to negotiate. <laughs> That's the point, right? So as a sales leader, you need to make sure that your team know the process and you can coach them daily. And the biggest thing, as I said, for you to coach them is that phase one, which is understand their value and worth of the solution. Um, but all the time you've got to go, you know, are they, are my team armed with if the client pushes back with something they want cheaper? You've got to, first of all, say, well, why is the client pushing back? I don't think the client's sold. You know, and that's the sort of conversation you need to have with your team because most team members come up and they say things like, oh, we've got to do it cheaper. And most most managers say, okay, you know, how much cheaper? What? Well, they might even say as a leader, do what you need to do to get the business in. Like that's just for a rep. That's just free fall. They, they have no idea what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, and what happens is everybody's eyeballs then go to the price and we all just drop price in. What, we, what the rep needs to do is look at the outcome and go, this is what the client thinks they need. I've asked the questions. This is what they actually need. This is what I've educated them on. They've come in, they've got ABC, but I actually think they need ABC, D, E, F, G to get the solution they want. Therefore, I don't care they've got a 1,000. Our option is 10,000, and that's the right solution for the client, and I'm going to put that forward. And the client's eyeballs need to be on the outcome, up on the outcome, we call it, not, not down in the price. So the eyeballs need to be up on the value, not down in the price, because anyone could email with the price. And if you're comparing price with price, you know, you know that $9,000 is cheaper than $12,000. But if you keep the client's eyeballs on the outcome, on the value, what it means to their business, what it means to them, then, you know, that need for negotiate just reduces. So, yes, I think teams need constant evolution. They need constant coaching and training, both internally and externally by experts. So they are constantly prepared and ready. And you will find they'll be bulletproof when they're ready. And they also then know how to use negotiation if it turns up. For example, you're then holding your rate, but the client's going to buy six or they're going to buy, they're going to buy them ahead of time or they're going to move on the warranty. Then you start to use other tactics. In other words, the client needs to give you a reason for you to move. Right? What most reps do is the quickest way, drop their pants, take the price down. That's how we need the business. And that is a surefire way for your reps to be working twice as hard and making less profit. What do you say then, Charmaine, when people start to ring around for quotes? What do you think about that? First of all, if they've rung you first, you need to be thrilled. And you can tell if they've rung you first because you're asking questions, therefore, and you can tell people that they've answered, but they haven't been answered before. So you need to look at it. It's like, great, somebody's ringing me. First of all, I think, fantastic, they've rung me up. They need what I have. So my job now is to align with them, understand them, show them that I understand them, be the authority in the field, be the trust advisor, be the solution provider. So first of all, you take the eyeballs off the client on quote, and you don't repeat that word quote back, and you take them to, oh, let's find out what's right for you. Now, the thing is the client speaks as though they know what they want. You have to remember the client doesn't actually know what they want. That's very rare to find that, maybe one in every 300. The client thinks they know what they want. So they might come to you and say, we need did 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 what's your price? You usually go, oh, fantastic. So let's find to make sure that's the right thing for you. And you go straight into a question back. You don't say, oh, do you mind? Or, but I've got to ask you a few questions first, all this sort of subservient stuff. You just go, fantastic. We will be delighted to help you. So what's your name? Fantastic. Uh, and then ask a question just to make sure it's the right thing for you. And you ask a question back. You sort of frame it. It's called framing just to make sure it's the right thing for you. We may have other things that might be more suitable. And then you go straight into a question. So in terms of... Um, 
people bring around the quotes. If you're the first one, you don't repeat the word quote back, but you align, you align, you align, you align. So they come off the phone thinking, you know what, that's the right person to go with. They are likely then to spend less time with other people when they ring up, if they even bother to ring other people up. This is really crucial to remember. But if you happen to be, you know, supply number two or three that they've rung up and you can tell by the way they talk to you, like, I don't put much effort into it, just want a rough price, da, 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 da. The sort of things they say that make you think, yeah, they want this immediately, but they want you to go time with it. It's a bit different if they say, I'm planning this up for six years' time, what's your rough price that they can plan? But if they need it soon and they're saying, don't put much effort into it, it just basically means I've aligned with somebody else and now my financial director just wants other quotes. So, again, you see that's like, joyous, okay? You, you can still connect in a more meaningful way. You can engage better than anybody else. Whatever happens, you don't say the word quote back and you keep to being the professional. You calm it down. You go, fantastic, happy to give that to you. And then you ask some questions. Your full intent is I'm here as an extension of your you, if it's a business to consumer or your business, and you fully go into your intent being to serve them. And I mean being equal, but to help them. They'll feel that you're probably likely to do it better than the, better than the person before. And then you can transition their alliance with you off another person but whatever happens don't email on the word quote mm. uh, don't don't say anything to the word quote because again as we're saying the word quote just means just look at the bottom of the email just look at the figure just look at the figure it's not saying this is what you're getting for the figure so i think it's really important that you as a as a sales leader make sure your team just don't talk about, you know, get off the word quote and they get onto outcomes. Keep them on outcomes. Keep them on value. Keep them on the outcomes of the client. Yeah, such good points. Do not mention the word quote. Talk about value. Have them look up rather than look down at the price. Charmaine, knowing the three steps on how to handle the negotiation conversation, can you just spend a little bit of time on those uh, mm. three steps? So first of all, step one, I'd say that's all your internal process, which is all phase one. So phase one is you being sold. And as a sales leader, don't assume because in a meeting your team are not in that they're sold. That means nothing. You're going to get some that do not want to speak up, some that when you leave, go to the person next to them, oh, Frank will never buy that, that price. So you've got to make sure people are sold. How do you do it? You do little mini practice sessions and things like that. I mean, they're wrong place, but we say they're practice sessions. And then you'll hear how your team get derailed and unravel and you'll go, okay, so actually two of my team are not selling this price at all. So constantly having practice sessions. That's all. That's step one. That's all internal. And that's what we call the phase one. So phase one of the sale being your mindset before you've even engaged with the client in phase two. So that's the first thing as a leader when it comes to negotiation. That's the first step. The second step is to make sure your team know that if they do the process right, there's no need to negotiate because part of the process, which is actually a step into phase two here, engaging the client, once you have understood the client, you've understood what they think they want, but because of the way you've handled it and asked all the right questions and you've listened and you're 100% present, you understand that well, they think they want this, but they really need these other things. Once you've done that middle bit correctly, which is what we call phase two, the engagement part, they will see you as somebody different. They will see you as that trusted advisor, the authority, the leader in your field, the subject matter expert. They will lean towards you and they'll want advice. 
Everything about that section two needs to be nourished. The client needs to be speaking 99% of the time. Look at that. How often does that happen? Hey, most reps show up and throw up. The client doesn't do hardly any talking. So if the client is talking in phase two, the engagement 99% of the time, as a rep, you're going to know exactly what they need, what they don't need, what they think they need, their expectations, who the decision makers are, on and on and on it goes. There's hundreds of things you can get out of that, including their buying decisions, their strategies, what they like, what they don't like, what's priority, loads and loads of things. In there, because of the way it goes, you're able to educate them. So phase two, um, step two is all about understanding that you're already educating them as the conversation goes on, right? So step one is mindset before you even pick up the phone or engage. Step two of negotiation is understanding that while you're engaging, you're actually educating them. And then step three is if it should get to a negotiation, the, the client should already be sold on you and what you're selling. This is crucial. It's not to get the client across the line. The client should already want you and want that outcome. That's step three. A leader must put that down as a, to get the business, the client must really want us because then your, your profit would be better because no one needs to negotiate as much. But if you're just putting your price down to try and get it across the line, what, the, what happens is the reps almost jump the whole process and jump to that without realising, well, the client doesn't care if they have us or not. They can't see any differentiation between us and any other competitor. So we've got to really focus on by the time we get to step three, which is, mm, okay, there's a negotiation that's going to happen. The client really wants to go with you. They want to go with you because it's the right solution for them. They think you're the right place to, to partner with, that they see you as an extension of their business and the way you act and behave and your professionalism. It's really key that you do that. And that step three sitting by itself means the client is sold and now it's literally moving bits of paper around. It's like, what can move on the table? They want it to go down 5%. Well, what, what can they give you back? Maybe they can pay up front. Maybe the terms are seven days, not 14 days or 30 days. Maybe they can do this. And you then negotiate on terms on the table. So it's it's really key that as a sales leader, you, will, you help your team think of those three steps as that. So I'm recapping. Step one is what happens in their head. They're all completely sold. And you have lots of success stories. So they go, oh, it's only a dollar. We should be charging $4. So they're completely sold as reps. And then step two is reps realising that the client is sold in the engagement and educated on what the right solution is for them and they see the value and worth during that phase. They go, actually, we really need this. It's going to be really handy and you're the right rep to do business with. And then step three is should the client do a bit of dancing, higgery-piggery, you've, you've got to, if you give something away, you need something back. But all the way through, your rep just keeps standing upright and is solid and convinced of the value. So in summary, Charmaine, what can a sales leader do to help their team with negotiations? Great. Get your team sold on the price. Let them think that the price should be higher by using things like evidence and things like that. And the main thing is remind them that people find money for things they value. You've been listening to Smarter Selling Podcast. Want to have a highly skilled and confident team that'll create and leverage more opportunities for your business so you can get more sales? Our sales training programs will show you and your team how. To find out more, go to smarterselling.com.au.